Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. I am here today with a very special guest, John Corcoran of Rise25. John, thank you so much for joining us. Seth, it's an honor to be here. Awesome. It is an honor to have you here. We're going to jump around in your timeline a little bit. For our folks who don't know, let's tell them a little bit first about Rise25 and why they should be listening to you in the first place. Sure. So Rise25 is effectively a boutique marketing agency, and we help uh, mostly B2B businesses to get more referrals, more clients, um, more strategic partnerships. And we do that primarily uh, through um, helping people with with lead generation, generating more leads, and that sort of thing. We also do a we do also have done a fair amount of live events as well, so we we can chat about that. Awesome! I know we are going to dive into that. Okay, so obviously more leads, more customers is what we all want. Let's go back in time a little bit because I know you didn't just wake up one day as a B two B marketing guru. How did you get started? <laughs> So I have a strange story. So um, as a kid, my father got laid off about three separate times. And each time he got laid off, um, we basically had to move all the way across the country from, um, you know, moving away from family and friends and to a new community. And what I took away from that, the experience from that is that I realized the importance of relationships, you know, essentially uh, relationships are critical in the world of business. And so I applied that to my life as a, as a teenager, I studied um, a lot of successful entrepreneurs and, and read a lot of books and biographies. And I realized that relationships were critically important. So, you know, flash forward, I've had some amazing opportunities in my life. Um, even though I went to a party school in college, essentially, I ended up as a writer in the Clinton White House writing uh, as a, a writer in presidential letters and messages um, at 23 years old. And then I was a, a speechwriter to a governor of California. I was an early employee at DreamWorks. I run my own boutique law practice and had all kinds of clients in Silicon Valley and whatnot. And I credit it to relationships and, and strategically and proactively building relationships with people who are going to be valuable for your business or for your career. Okay, so you just said a whole lot in a very short amount of time. I'm hoping yes. the longer version is in a book. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It should be, folks. All right, so let's dive. Let, we're going to, before we get to B2B lead generation, which I know our audience obviously wants to hear about, I want to talk about a couple of those things that you highlighted. Okay, so I got uh, White House at 23 writing presidential messages. 
how do you get to the White House at 23 based on relationships and working for President Clinton? Talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, so it's kind, of, it's kind of a funny story. So I'd been an intern at the White House in the speechwriting office, and this is actually right before the Lewinsky scandal. I was going to so, say, no blue dress for you. Got no, it. no. So it was, it was fall of 97. It was immediately before the Lewinsky scandal. I actually go back to college. And top line of my resume is White House intern. And I'm thinking, I've got it made. Right. This is the best thing ever. Woohoo! I'm going to get any job I want. And then as soon as I get back to college, immediately, boom, Lewinsky scandal. And I have MSNBC and New York Times and everything calling my house. Like, I literally like, get back to my, you know, my apartment and my roommates are like, yeah, the uh, Wall Street Journal was calling for you. Oh, like, my God. A little strange. And, um, so, but it, it actually ended up working out okay because after I graduated, I think there was still so much interest in White House internships that I'd get called into these interviews and people, you know, Just I would talk to you, right? Yeah, yeah, they would be like, wow, what was it like being a White House intern? Did you know a lot of Monica Lewinsky? Right, right, right. I'm sure. All the questions they were going to ask me. But I, hey, I was in the room, right? It yes. got me in the room. So uh, the lesson I take from that is that it is really valuable, even if you have something you don't want it to be scandalous, but if you have something that is notable and memorable about you, right. it can make a big difference. Um, and Better so to be what, infamous and have no one know who you are. Exactly, exactly. So, but you know, what I did was, after that, I kept in touch with the, the people that I had made a relationship with. So obviously, I worked my butt off. I worked really hard as an intern in the speechwriting office, but then I kept in touch with the speechwriters. And so what ended up happening is one of the speechwriters one day called me up, and he knew I'd wanted to get a job back there. And he called me up and he said, hey, you know, there's a there's a position opening and I think you'd be great for it. And told me about it. And that's how I heard about it. Well, that's an awesome story. And we could spend a whole podcast episode just talking about the type of work you did at the White House, how you crafted messaging, the copywriting that goes into that, where the stakes are a whole lot high than just someone buying or selling a product where it could be, you know, the fate of the free world in your hands. Yeah. I mean, they're interesting parallels. So, I mean, I think part of the reason in more recent years I've become fascinated with copywriting is because I realized that the work I was doing in political speech writing, political message writing, all that kind of writing was really getting people, you know, you're, you're trying to move people to action, which is also what you're doing in copywriting. It's a different kind of action. Yes. Right. In political world, you're trying to move people to, you know, persuade their legislator. You're trying to move legislators to act a certain way, to believe in your concepts, your principles, your ideas. And in copywriting, it's similar. You're trying to move people to take a direct action to purchase a product or to click on a link or whatever. And so I think it's really interesting parallels. Absolutely. Totally fascinating. So we're going to jump ahead um, just a few years. What prompted you to start a boutique marketing agency? Yeah, so it was it was an evolution like many things. So I was practicing law for a number of years and I realized that it's one of the worst business models out there because when you're practicing law, I mean, it's you want to make more income, you need to work more hours. And, and you know, it I was doing litigation. The litigation tends to be you're fighting with people all the time and, and you just kind of internalize that. And I didn't like those things. I wanted to have a bigger impact. I wanted to have clients that weren't just in my backyard. I wanted to actually be able to serve a larger community of people. And so at the time, you know, I was thinking I would write a book and that would help me to get to that point. And the advice was, well, you need to start a, a podcast. You need to start a blog if you want to start a book. So I started a blog and then 
how do you build up a blog? So I went down that rabbit hole and people said, well, you should start a podcast. So, all right, I started a podcast in, in fall of 2012, still doing it. And you've been a guest kindly. And, um, and you know, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life was starting that podcast. And that's why I still do it to this day. And, um, you know, eventually it evolved and it became a boutique marketing agency after a number of different evolutions down the path. Sure. And we all pivot along the way. Yeah. So as Rise 25 stands now, who is isn't? You talked about B2B lead generation. Who's an ideal client for you? Sure. So um, our clients are selling something that is higher value. So they're not selling widgets. They're not selling $5 eBooks or anything like that. They're, so they have a val client lifetime value in the thousands is basically the way to describe it. Um, a lot of our clients, uh, you and I have talked about e-commerce before. A lot of our clients are in the e-commerce field. They're software providers or their service providers in the e-commerce field, which is just a huge booming area of our economy, as you know. Um, and so we do have a lot in that area as well. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your, your expertise in B2B lead generation and relationship building. To give us an example, and you don't have to disclose any names if your privacy policies prevent that, but talk about a recent client, what they were came to you for, what their problem was, and kind of how you helped them solve it, and what that magical transformation was on the other side. Sure. So, um, uh, you know, similar to you, I'm a huge advocate of podcasting, um, and we both agree that it's one of the best tools out there. Um, I personally, I think everyone should have a podcast. I think that just you benefit from it personally, you benefit from it professionally, it can help stretch you, you learn all these kinds of things. And um, so we have one client who came to us and he really impressive background, um, had spent a bunch of years in, in his area of expertise. He's uh, actually in Washington, D.C., um, and had been on Capitol Hill and had done a bunch of business consulting and stuff like that, but needed a niche. So we, we helped him really narrow down and develop a niche. We helped him launch a podcast also. And then we also help him with um, LinkedIn also, using LinkedIn as a tool for generating leads, which is something that my business partner and I have done for years personally, used LinkedIn, minded as a place for proactive uh, relationship development. And, you know, some people listening to this might be thinking, well, I haven't checked my LinkedIn in a year, which is often <laughs> the case, right? People set up a profile. Here's the thing about LinkedIn today. People don't realize how powerful it's become. Just in the last 18 months, the amount of monthly active users has tripled. So they're hitting this hockey stick growth. And the other thing is people will spend 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand to revamp their website. After you've ramped, revamped the website, you Google that person's name. What comes up first? Oftentimes it's their right. But they haven't updated that in years. And so here's what's happening is when someone hears your name, they Google your name because everyone does that these days. They end up on your LinkedIn page, not on your website. They look at it. They get confused or uncertain or it doesn't fully convey who you are, what you do. And so they bounce, but you never hear about it. They don't contact you. You never hear about it. So it's really harming people. So we've been trying to shine a light on that and explain to people, you really need to improve this because it's becoming like the front door of the internet for everyone. But, then be, but even beyond that, the, the, the other step, the other you know, misunderstanding people have is they see all these incoming solicitations. A lot of people just really are bad. They send these you know, sales pitches and stuff like that. So people see those incoming and they think, oh, what a waste of time. But what you really need to use it for is to proactively build relationships with the people you want to build relationships with, not react to all these incoming solicitations. Ignore most of those because they're crap. 
and just use it as a tool to connect with people who you wouldn't otherwise have a chance to connect with. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Crap is a highly technical marketing term. It is. It is. And um, one of the things you mentioned, I want to toss out a tip to our viewers and our listeners. John mentioned about you never hear from the people who bounce off your profile. Well, you can, if you have a premium account with LinkedIn, LinkedIn will give you the list of everyone who looks at your profile. So one of our tactics every single day is we have custom messages that go out to every single person who views our profile and not, not everybody responds, but a lot of people are like, oh, wow, yeah, I looked at your profile. Thank you so much for reaching back out to me and connecting. And we try and turn those into the start of relationships as opposed yeah. to just letting them bounce and walk away. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's a great, that's a great point. But, you know, that, that's one area of opportunity which most people are not taking advantage of. So that's really smart of you to go ahead and do that. Yeah. Well, thanks. All right. So <laughs> what are some of the biggest mistakes business owners are making that you see that you guys are helping them fix? You know, some of the biggest mistakes are not not under, truly understanding the niche that they should be going after. A lot of our clients, I'm sure you see this all the time, want to spray and pray and go after just a bunch of different niches when they really, all they really need is just to niche down and focus on one particular area. Um, LinkedIn is a great tool for this because you can do searches and you can figure out that there's a much bigger universe than you might even realize of potential leads out there. Um, and, and you don't need any other niche. So you don't need 10 different niches. You need one specific niche. And then the other thing is you need a consistent process that is constantly churning and working. So the, the mistake that people get into, which I got into when I was a practicing lawyer, was you get busy, so you stop networking. You know, you stop marketing. You stop doing those things that lead to the clients in the door. And then when that busyness inevitably turns down again, then you're like, oh, crap. And you hustle, hustle, hustle to try and get more clients in the door. But you have to have that engine churning all the time because it takes a while to get those people in the door. So consistency is really a big problem that we see with people and something that's really important for people to, to focus on. Absolutely. I would agree 100%. You got to dig the well before you're thirsty. Now, you do. You have a lot of expertise in terms of live events. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, this started, uh, you know, for a long time when I would go to a conference or an event or something like that, I would try and make it go further by bringing together a group of people, maybe for lunch or dinner. And it's also something you can do in your local community. You don't need to go to a conference. Just bring together, if you get together with one person for coffee, bring a third person that doesn't know that other person. Bring a fourth person, bring a fifth person. Bring them together in small groups. It's one of the most powerful things you can do. And so we would do it around conferences. You know, I would do it individually. And my business partner would do it individually before we were business partners. And then once we became business partners, we were like, okay, well, you know, when we're, if we're going to go to a conference, we might as well make it go further. And what's amazing is, you can get some really big speakers who are speaking at a conference. Oftentimes they fly in the night before and they're not doing anything. They don't have any plans. Oftentimes the conference doesn't have anything planned for it. And so you can get them to come attend a dinner. And once you start to get one of those speakers, then you can get another because they want to meet the other speaker. And so it gets to the point where you can get a high caliber group of people together and, you know, you wouldn't even be invited. I wouldn't even be invited to it because it's such a high caliber group of people. And so that's kind of how we got started doing these events, bringing people together. And we've had, you know, 300 person receptions and we've done mastermind VIP days where we've got one coming in about three weeks where we partner with the conference and we do a, a VIP day, bringing together their highest 
level types of people who are attending the conference who just want to connect with other high level people. Um, and so I'm, I, you know, when we look at our business, we realize that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of having an email list. I'm a huge fan of online marketing, obviously, but you also have to couple it with getting together with people face to face. Obviously, Seth, you and I met at one or you came to our event I, at TNC, right? I did. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's such a powerful tool. You have such a higher level of trust when you've met someone face to face. So even with the podcast, I interview people through the podcast. I always try and look for opportunities to then connect with that person face to face if I haven't met with them face to face. So I look, you know, at upcoming conferences I'm going to, you know, is there a possibility to connect with someone at, at something like that? Because then that relationship is going to be so much more deep if you've connected with that person face-to-face. Absolutely. I've done the same thing. I have gone through at live events and hosted my own event the night before, which was a strategy I originally learned from Dan Kennedy. Um, I've hosted masterminds at events, and depending on the event, there have been events I got in trouble for doing that at. Um, but obviously, it was yeah. worth the risk. It's always better to, in my opinion, ask for forgiveness and ask for permission. Right. So... Let me ask. Actually, that's a great point. So, you know, some people might be fearful of that happening. What we try and do, and, and, and that can happen if the organizer feels like you're stepping on their toes or something. What we try and do is we try and um, make sure we will contact an event organizer and tell them we're doing an event ahead of time. And we say that we've done this at other events and it actually brings other people in because of our event. People, we've had people that will come to conferences because they know that the VIP event that we're doing is worth them coming. So then they buy a ticket to the conference as well. So we, you know, for example, TNC that we went to, we ended up selling, I forget what it was, like 20 or $25,000 worth of additional tickets because of people that were coming because of our event. You know, we had 80 person VIP reception the evening that you came to. So, you know, we, we try and sell the event organizer, let them know we're not seeking to step on your toes. We're not seeing to compete or anything. It's an additional add on. It's a, it's additional value add for people who are attending the conference who, you know, oftentimes people are looking for additional things to do while they're in a city, visiting a city for a particular conference. Absolutely. You've dropped so many golden nuggets in such a short period of time. What else do you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? <laughs> so um, I, I definitely encourage people to do uh, you know, live events when you can. You don't need to do it at a conference. You don't need to have a huge amount of people coming. It can be with five people. It can be in your local community. I'm a big fan of that. Um, I, I recommend people to um, get active on LinkedIn because that's a great tool. These days, you know, it's, it's just such a power. It's a, it's a growing network. It's one of the top 10 sites in North America. Um, and people are using it as a search engine these days to find people and discover new people, uh, just like they do Amazon or YouTube. So you, you, you want to make sure that you optimize your profile. Um, and I actually have, I have some templates that we give away, which I can give to you. We can put in the show notes, a link yeah, for our great. Yeah, LinkedIn templates that people can use. Um, and, um, yeah, those, those are the main tips of anything else you want to hit on. I mean, we could talk marketing for hours, but our listeners aren't necessarily going to stay that whole time unless it's at a live event or they registered ahead of time to know that. So for our folks who are fascinated with you and the B2B lead generation stuff you're doing and want to learn more, what's the best place for us to send them? Sure. So, um, rise25.com is probably the best place. We'll also, um, 
get you that, uh, the, the LinkedIn templates that people can grab. Yeah, we'll um, put my, those in the show notes. Yeah, my podcast is Smart Business Revolution. If you want to look me up on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, yeah, I love, I love hearing from people. So, and if you connect on LinkedIn, by the way, make sure you put a note in there. Yes, That's, that drives yes. me crazy when people but, don't do that. They get ignored. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, most people will send a connection request and, it's, you know, it's like over 90% will not say anything. You've got 295 characters to say something. So grab that person's attention. Say, hey, I heard you on the Sharpener podcast. Good job. Just wanted to connect with you on here. And that's going to increase your chances of people accepting your connection request exponentially. It's going to be way higher than people, you know, when you just send a connection request. So don't do the lazy thing. Do the little bit harder thing, but you're going to get much better results from it. Absolutely. I agree 100%. 100%. This has been Seth Green with John Corcoran from rise25.com and that's rise25.com. John, thanks so much for joining us. Seth, thank you. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.